Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our experiences, and commissioned by God to serve. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And if you cannot remember everything I just said, We have three powerful, profound, and poignant words for you. What are they, family? Live, love, serve. Amen. Amen. I I have been asked, whether it has been through email or messages or even text, about suffering. It is no coincidence that this season has caused many to wonder about suffering and the role of suffering in our lives. And so today, I I hope that the words that are shared can give some insight and to help us in this season where there's so much suffering going on, not just in our country, but around the world due to the pandemic in some places. For others, it's episodes that are far too frequent of racial injustice. And then around the world, there are people every day is filled with some sense of sorrow and tragedy and suffering just to survive every day. And so I hope that the words I share today will in some way help us glean some sense of meaning or at least in some way become empowering as we endure these seasons we find ourselves in. I want to lift a few verses from the gospel according to John. These are the words of the carpenter as found in John's gospel, chapter 16, verses 20 and 21. Chapter 16 of the Gospel of John, verses 20 and 21. And I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Here's how it reads. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, She no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. Come on, family, let's pray. God, we thank you for yet again another day, another Sunday. We've come together to celebrate, to rejoice, to honor, not just who you are, oh God, but honor who you've called us to be in this season. God, we pray that as your word goes forth on today, someone who has felt the crippling pain of being dangerously damaged will find healing in your words today. As someone, oh God, even right now, who may be enduring their own dark night of the soul will hear a sense of calm through your words today, oh God. God, continue to bind us in your love, continue to keep us through your grace, Most of all, oh God, continue to heal us with your love. God, we thank you. 
We love you. We honor you today. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. I want to read that passage again. In John, the 16th chapter, verses 20 through 21. Here's how it reads. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being in to the world. I want today to talk from the subject, what are you giving birth to? What are you giving birth to? I received so many messages and emails as I shared earlier. There was one particular message that came to the church and it was from someone who clearly in this season was struggling. I pray that that individual is watching today. But I know the person who sent the message was not alone because so often when we encounter suffering and sorrow and hardship, it raises questions about how we feel or view God. Some theologians call it the question of theodicy. In other words, if God is so benevolent and so good, why is there so much suffering in the world? Why do righteous people suffer? Why does evil exist in the world if the world is, again, shaped and formed by a good and loving God? Those questions and these kinds of questions are often not raised in times of celebration and joy. They're raised in times we find ourselves faced with the ambiguity and the mystery of life, faced with crisis, faced with chaos, faced with sickness and doom and even death. We then raise these questions. I'm amazed at how often this question gets raised, not when things are going well, because very rarely does someone ask God, why have you blessed me? Why are things so good today? Why is the sun so beautiful? Why are the flowers so amazing? We often raise these questions about the goodness of God or the benevolence of God when things don't work out, when plans are dashed, when hopes are crushed right before us. We then raise these questions about the reality of God the reality of misfortune and misery in the world. The letter we received at the church went on to not only raise questions around suffering and sorrow and hardship, but this person who was clearly hurting in some way was saying that they had a hard time with Christianity because somehow they felt that Christianity glorified or romanticized suffering. And I have to say in resounding tones that that is not the case. Christianity is not some distorted coping mechanism for someone to just suffer and be okay with it. Christianity, especially the kind that I, I aspire to and believe in, shaped by the teachings of the carpenter, is not about just suffering and then somehow romanticizing it, going through hardships and somehow romanticizing it, going through difficulties and somehow romanticizing it. When I read the teachings of the carpenter, I do not read and I do not get a hint or a glimpse that somehow the carpenter 
who is teaching and speaking to oppressed people in his own time is saying, just endure, just suffer, and everything will be all right. What I find in the teachings of the carpenter are ways that we try or seek to generate some sort of meaning in the midst of chaos. It was Frederick Nietzsche, the famous philosopher, who said that life is suffering, but how you survive it is the way you make meaning in the moments. That the ability to survive is how you make meaning. The, the ability to come through these dangerous circumstances is how you make meaning. But there are a few realities that we must just accept and come to grips with. Life is filled with contradictions, inconsistencies. Life is filled with moments, yes, of mountaintop experiences where joy is in abundance, but life is also filled with pain and hardship. There's a kind of duality, although I don't like that phrasing, but a duality that there is good with bad. There are things sometimes that arouse the best of us, and then there are things that bring forth the worst in us. That is the life we live. Jesus put it this way, that it rains on the just and the unjust. That no matter how you see yourself, righteous or not, sinner or not, we all go through these moments of rabid contradictions and gross inconsistencies that have a way of leaving us feeling impotent in so many ways, unable to answer the deeper questions, unable to handle what is going on. And these past four months in our country have been rife with contradiction, rife with peril, rife with tragedy, rife with injustice. From COVID-19 to the numerous episodes of racial injustice and police brutality and the underlying ethos often unspoken in our country of racial bigotry and white supremacy and the myth of racial superiority, all of these things in these past four months have brought to the forefront the reality that life is filled with contradiction, with inconsistencies. That is the nature of life. There are mountaintop moments and then there are those valley moments. And I've often said that there are things I've enjoyed about my mountaintop experiences, but there are some lessons that I've learned in my valleys that my mountains could not ever teach me. Oh, I'll say that again. For those who are in that space right now where you feel like you are in that valley, that deep abyss of your life, there are some lessons that I know I have learned in the valley that the mountaintops just could not teach me. Now, those words don't necessarily help us navigate our way through misery or pain and strife, but it brings us into some harsh reality sometimes we don't want to face because sometimes in our distorted view of Christianity, we think that somehow being a Christian, aligning ourselves with God, saying that we believe in Jesus makes us immune from these contradictions, immune from these inconsistencies. And that is not the case. Again, Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. Our faith does not give us some kind of force field where we no longer have to face life's contradictions. And our faith does not somehow cause us to dust the inconsistencies and the pain and the sorrow under some emotional rug. 
whereby we either romanticize it or we avoid or deny it. No, that is not the teachings of the carpenter. The teachings of the carpenter help us to understand, I am convinced, that life's contradictions don't have the final answer. That the sorrow and the pain that we experience does not have the final answer. And truthfully, the only way you have reason to give in to those inconsistencies is if you believe they have the final answer. But I don't believe that they do. I've lived long enough to know that those moments where we feel up against the inconsistencies of life, those moments we feel like our backs are against the wall, like we're between a rock and a hard place, have been real, have been experienced, have been lived. I have lived through them. You have lived through them. We have lived through them. But those of us who have lived long enough know this reality, those realities, those moments, those times of misgivings and misfortune and misery and sorrow do not have the final answer. I have to say that to someone today who is feeling overwhelmed in the moment and overwhelmed by what you're going through, overwhelmed by the anxiety, overwhelmed by the depression. Those moments, these times do not have the final answer. And they don't have the final answer because life is broader and bigger than just the hardship. Life entails the joy and the celebration and the peace and the love and the happiness that are also part of our living. But again, so often we want to find answers in the face of ambiguity. We want some definite responses in the face of life's tragedy. And I have to be honest. I think sometimes our desire for answers is because we can't handle the mysterious nature of life. We can't handle the ambiguity of life. And we just want life to be one way or at least have a way to respond to it with clarity. But sometimes our learning is in our living. Oh, I'll say that again. Our learning is in our living. As we navigate through this life, we learn. As we navigate through this life, we live. Maybe life can be seen as this cycle of living and learning, living and learning, learning and living. And in the midst of the learning and living, in the living and the learning, somehow we face those hardships. We face those inconsistencies. We face those dark nights. We face those restless moments. But we also face the joy of life, the beauty of life, the, the overwhelming sense of peace and happiness that we've all experienced. In the living and the learning, there's a hardship. In the learning and the living, there's a celebration. In the living and the learning, there are difficulties. In the learning and the living, there are moments where the sun will always shine and every day feels like a day to celebrate. And then there's those moments where we feel at ease in the company of chaos. But you only experience that when you are living and learning, learning and living, living and learning, learning. And living. So what does the carpenter say about this life filled with suffering and sorrow? What does the carpenter remind us in this life filled with pain and also power? Jesus in John 16 is sitting with his disciples he realizes that the end of his time with them is drawing nigh. He knows that within them is 
overwhelming anxiety. And as he sits there teaching them, pouring into them, these verses in verse 20 and 21 rise into their hearts. As I even read them, it is as if they lift from the pages and seek to find a resting place in my spirit. Hear those words again as Jesus spoke tenderly, lovingly to his disciples. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. Listen to the words of the carpenter. You will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. You will weep and mourn and the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. Notice the carpenter does not deny the ambiguity of life. He does not say, if you believe in what I'm saying and believe in my teachings and believe in me, somehow you will not have hardship. He is talking to his disciples, those who have committed to following him. And he lets them know that in this world, you will weep and you will mourn while others will rejoice, while the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. I have to admit, at first glance, those words are not always comforting because somehow being confronted with the truth of life is not always comforting. You will mourn, you will weep, and the world will rejoice, you will be in pain, and your pain will turn to joy. There have been moments when I've wondered about that myself. What does that really mean? I know my weeping is real because I've had those moments. I know my mourning is real because I've had those moments, and you know that weeping and mourning is real because you've had those moments. And we've known that those moments of weeping and mourning have also taken place while others are rejoicing. And sometimes our moments of rejoicing take place when others are weeping and mourning. That is life. That while I may be in my pit of sorrow on this day, that someone on the very same day may be on the mountaintop of their celebration. That's the nature of this journey. But Jesus somehow says that the pain will turn to joy. Something can be gained from this moment. And then he gives the powerful analogy to drive his teaching home. Just like the woman who is in labor feels the authenticity of her pain. Just like the woman who is going through that time right before she gives birth, there is great pain and even tears. Jesus says that when that child is born, that pain turns into joy because that woman realizes that she has brought another human being into the world that and I can say that I've been there for both of my children's birth, and I know it was not easy. My wife had quite traumatic birth experiences, but 
once the experience, once the trauma was over, to behold the two lives she brought into the world, filled with hope and possibility, that became the joy. It did not say or mean that the pain was not real, but somehow what was birthed overshadowed the pain that was experienced. Again, I make no claim to fully understanding that, but I can speak from perspective of one who has endured great pain in my personal life, not just emotional, but real physical pain, real physical terror, real physical hardship. And I've realized that those moments of pain and terror and hardship did not define my life. Those moments did not have the last word. That right now, no matter where you are and what you're going through that seems to be working adversely against you, those realities don't have the final word. Look at the carpenter's teaching. He compares our pain, our sorrow, our weeping, our mourning to the possibility that somehow joy can be experienced out of that moment because of what is birth. That somehow meaning may not necessarily be inherent to the pain, but the meaning we gain from the experience is connected to what is birth. So the question is, in this season, where so many are hurting for a myriad of reasons, what are you giving birth to so that you might find meaning even in these moments filled with misery? As Nietzsche says, that somehow to survive is how meaning is gained, but not just mere survival, because survival suggests you've gone through and you come out. But but Jesus pushes a little further. He says it's not just surviving the pain and coming through the pain, but it's what you give birth to in the midst of your pain. And there's the question again. What are you giving birth to? What is being created out of you in this season? What, what spark of creativity and imagination have joined forces in your spirit and in your mind and in your soul that have caused you in the midst of one of your most trying moments and episodes of your life that you were able to create, to imagine, to give birth to new possibilities and new ideas that will land in the realm of reality? What are you giving birth to? You're already going through moments that are bringing forth pain, don't give birth to more pain. Don't give birth to more mourning. Don't give birth to more anxiety. Don't give birth to more, more, more hurt. Give birth to something that will help you come through this season, not unscathed, but with something new. Maybe this moment is requiring you to do some introspection, some self-reflection. And in the self-reflection, you've seen some blind spots. You've seen some things about you that you can change. And somehow seeing those things and in this season has compelled you to work on you. That means in the working, something new can be birthed. Some idea you've been holding on to for years and you never got around to tending to the idea, the creative idea, the imagination connected to the idea because you've been busy with life. And somehow in this time of pause and stillness, maybe those ideas are calling you again and saying, give us life. Maybe those 
ideas are crying out to you. Maybe your gifts inside of you are crying out to you. Maybe your gifts and your power are crying out to you and begging you in this season where all you feel sometimes is the pain and the mourning and the misery. Maybe those things in you are crying out to you. Give us life. Give us life. What are you giving birth to in this season? Don't simply allow this season to be determined by the suffering, to be determined by the sorrow. Give birth, for there are things deep within you that are waiting to be born, and there are things you thought were dead inside of you that are waiting to be born again. What are you giving birth to? In this season, maybe this time, meaning can be found not in the pain necessarily, but meaning can be made in what you create, what you give birth to, what you give life to. What are you giving birth to? I remember reading in the book, The Temptations of Jesus by Howard Thurman, one of my favorite theologians, thinkers, writers. He gives an image that was not his, but he actually used in his book. He said that maybe death, maybe death, in the agony of dying, he saw it this way, to be on your deathbed, surrounded by all the dreams you had, all the hopes you had, all the goals you had, and all those goals and dreams and hopes and aspirations gather around your bed in your dying moment. And those dreams and hopes and aspirations and desires lean in and whisper into your ear and ask the question, why didn't you give us That image by Thurman is haunting, but it's also challenging. I don't want to come to the end of my journey and have to hear the whispers of my dreams asking me why didn't I give my dreams life. I know it's challenging right now. I know it's hard right now. I know it is not easy, but remember the teacher Remember the carpenter, just like that woman endures the pain of labor. Somehow when what is birth, that child comes forward. The joy outweighs the pain. And all I'm saying to you today, beloved, is I want your joy to outweigh your pain. Give birth to your dreams in this season. Give birth to your visions. Give birth to your greatest hopes. Make meaning out of this miserable moment, these past four months, this pandemic, the racial unrest. Make meaning in this season and give birth to your greatest aspirations, your greatest dreams, your grandest visions, your wildest hopes. Give birth. Remember the carpenter said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. 
may be the abundance of life. It's bringing life out of your dreams, hopes, aspirations. What are you giving birth to in this season? Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you and we honor you today for how you've reminded us, oh God, that even in the most painful and difficult of times, that meaning can be made through our willingness to give birth in this season, birth to our ideas, birth to our imaginations, birth to our creativity. God, let this time of pause become a time of preparation for the next season of our lives. God, thank you for reminding us of this today. Most of all, oh God, we feel the sense that it is birthing time. God, whisper in our ears, push, push, push. Lord, we thank you. We honor you. And we celebrate today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.